Welcome to Streamable, the podcast about the best streaming content out there. We're going to be reviewing shows and movies from Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Disney+, Peacock, whatever other services they come up with. So sit back, listen to our review, and then you can tell us how wrong we are on Twitter. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Brett. And together we have over 57 years of movie watching experience. Wait, we were watching movies when we were born? Shh, shut up. So, so this sh- new show is all about sex, drugs, and rock. No, wait, no, electro trance music. Sex, drugs, and trance music. Right. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. We'll get there. So, Brave New World on Peacock, the first Peacock original. Peacock just very recently launched. Before we get into the recap and and talking about the music and everything, I did want to quickly touch on your experiences with Peacock. Uh, it's a free service. But you can only watch some of the originals, so you can watch the first two episodes of Brave New World, I believe. To watch more, it is $5 a month, but they do have a seven-day trial, so you can just binge all of it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting, and you know, the model makes sense to me. You can see old shows with some ads. Uh, some shows have like one single ad, which is really nice. Some, obviously, you know, you have to pay a subscription for, and I think that's a pretty solid model. In terms of the platform, I had several instances where I had to buffer. So they got to get their shit together. Like, I have really good internet. I never have to buffer on Netflix or anything else. Huh, I didn't. But I was using either the Apple TV app or my iPad. Okay. So I hmm. wonder if uh, maybe something with their browser setup might be messed up if you're using a browser. But also, other than Brave New World, all I've been watching is Psych which is also a great show people should watch. And that seemingly so far is all free. So that's good. Yep. Uh, and yeah, this is their first original, Brave New World, based on the book by Aldous Huxley, written in 1931. And yeah, we'll get into it. So I just wanted to reference the music thing. There's a line, I don't know, one of the episodes midway through the show, I think, after... John gets his MP3 player back. I think it's Gary that asks, oh, your music had... No, no, I, it's in my summary. Uh, yeah, it, it's Bernard that asks. He goes like, it has words? I find that distracting. Well, no, I mean, John's response is even better because he says something like, yeah, music used to have words in it or something like that. Like, it's a, totally a dig at current music and EDM and all the shit that doesn't have. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, he said they wanted it to mean something. Oh, okay. That's why they put words in music, which was so good, because I happen to agree. So we'll go through the show. I have read the book twice, but it's probably been 10 years since I've read the book, so I'm looking at a synopsis of the book as well. But we'll talk a little bit about the the differences. The book is considered one of the greatest novels of all time. It's very, very highly rated. I think, yeah, it's like 53 in the top 100 greatest novels of all time. It's like one of the very first sci-fi kind of books. It's surprisingly accurate with some things. Uh, I mean, the show adapts a lot of stuff. He talked about like helicopters and rockets. They made it like hovercraft and rockets. And 
the AI in the show does not exist at all in the book, obviously, but a lot of it is very similar. So good on Aldous Huxley for predicting certain things. Yeah, I was also reading about him a little bit, and apparently he also wrote the book kind of as a dig at H.G. Uh, Wells and the time machine. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, H.G. Wells wrote a book called Utopia. Oh, Utopia, okay. And it was just that, a Utopia. So uh, Huxley wrote what he considered to be a parody of that. So not, okay. you know, dystopia wasn't a word then, I don't think. There was a handful of other books before him that were kind of dystopian futures. So he, just a little bit of background, he wrote this in 1931. He was from the UK. Uh, the Great Depression had hit hardest then. He wrote it in like three months in southern France or something weird. But hmm. he had visited America and was really put off by their our culture of youth, commercialism, sexual promiscuity, all of the themes that are kind of in in the, the book. And... I don't know if he met with Henry Ford, but the book is so much about Henry Ford. Literally, the years in the book are after Ford. They worship the T instead of a cross, literally a T for the Model T. Hmm. Like everything is about the assembly line and production and, and Ford. And it's kind of odd because the other side of it is all the characters are based on like communist socialists. And yet Henry Ford was like the pinnacle of capitalism in some ways. Hmm. So that's kind of what uh, Huxley's talking about a lot with the themes of the book, which are mostly reflected in the show. Obviously, the stuff about Ford just gets lost. You know, even the, the manufacture of humans is something he had in the book and, and DNA manipulation, all of that, which... And then... He did write a sequel of sorts. I have no idea. I didn't even know this existed. It's called Island. It was written 30 years later, but apparently is more of a utopian book and seems to have different characters. So it's pretty loosely related. Hmm. The other thing I'll say is the book has a completely different ending and a very final ending. And I will not spoil it because I think this is a good book for people to read. The show is probably an easier way to get into it. I think the book is a little weirder. I'm sure many people, like all shows, have complained that the show isn't faithful enough. I prefer the show. The book is very good, but the book is weird. And it's almost 100 years old, so can't really blame it. But the show is very good, in my opinion. Well, yeah. The show is more of a critique on modern society. but So, of course, it feels more relevant. Well, I mean, history repeats itself. Huxley was critiquing certain things that are just as relevant today in my mind. Well, we'll get into that more. So let's just jump into the, the summary. We're going to mix things up a bit, and I'll, I'll be doing that this time around. All right, so let's get into it. So episode one, so we're introduced to New London. The tagline basically tells us that in New London, there's no privacy, no family, and no uh, monogamy. And then everyone here is monogamy. Menemony. Uh, everybody is happy here. Everybody uh, belongs to everyone else. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of weird, like, slogans that I don't know where that comes from. Some of that might have been in the book, but. So there's social castes that everyone belongs to that you're assigned to at birth, quote unquote. Not really birth because everyone's like genetically engineered embryos now. The casts are basically like alpha, beta, delta, gamma, epsilon. And then some pluses and minus throws and thrown in there. 
and it's a little bit more clear in the book. It wasn't super clear in the show. It is literally like different races of humans. Like the alphas are more intelligent, are bigger, are stronger. Interesting. Okay. And yeah. the epilons, that's not, that's much more blurred in the show. Yeah, in the show, it just seems like everyone's a human and just given a designation. Right. So then also, everyone's on drugs. Uh, the drug is Soma, which helps you like maintain your chemical balances and then like kind of suppress emotions, kind of basically. Uh, everyone wears an optic sensor in their eye that connects to the AI Indra. It lets anybody see what anybody else is doing and kind of keeps you like everyone belongs on the to radar. everyone else. Yeah. Initially, we're introduced to Lenina Crown, a beta plus. I also don't understand why they have surnames if there's no uh, families. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I like he literally wanted to obviously sneak in Bernard Marks, Lenina crown helmholtz watson all of these kind of you know again communist socialist names into people um because i mean i don't understand if like he was trying to critique henry ford and capitalism and all of that and have this society that is in many ways communistic but he's kind of shitting on communism too because he's like showing that it doesn't work right so yeah, Lenina Crown, uh, she gets called in by Bernard Marx, who I think in my summary that I've written up, I just call him Bernie a bunch because I like the name Bernie better. I called him Marx for like half the show because people, it kind of switched. I mean, people, <laughs> you know, whatever. So yeah, he's an alpha plus. Uh, she's in trouble because she's been having sex with only one alpha for too long, which is too monogamous. Yeah, it's... It's that's why it's so relevant today, but it was just as relevant. It's the same thing from the book. She's basically like the exact opposite of a slut, which in their society is terrible, right? Yeah. It's a total reversal of, of things today, basically. Basically, she just is given a more intense version of Soma that like the counselors, which what is what Bernard is, have access to, and then prescribed promiscuity. Pretty much. Then uh, we get to see an Epsilon, which is the lowest tier like cast, commits suicide. Bernard goes and investigates it. Well, he has an accident. Yeah. Suicide's not a thing for them. People shouldn't be doing that. They should be, everybody's happy, right? Right, right. But he commits suicide. So Bernard investigates it. He basically just gives everybody who sees it like Soma to distract them from this violent thing they witnessed. They call him the Soma man. I love that. He was like the candy man. The Soma man can. Pretty uh, much. So upon touching the, the dead body, I don't know what, like, did they, they didn't really explain this bit. Like They kind of did. In, in like episode seven, they kind of explained it way later. I'm going to just say beforehand that a lot of the Mond and the AI scene crap has, just seemed confusing. Well, that obviously was, was not in the book. They invented all of that. Right. And I think the intention is to push a lot of that into season two. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, that, that whole like subplot that's also the main plot later on is just confusing and doesn't make sense to me for a lot of stages. I'll cover them a bit as I get up to them, but just a warning. Anyways, yeah, so he touches this thing and then it, it kind of makes him have more 
like emotions and he's feeling like sad or depressed or like other emotions that he's not supposed to be feeling. Then we're also introduced to John in the Savage Lands, the Savage Lands, which is basically just America, I guess. <laughs> but like a typical depiction of a dystopia. It's like dirty and like kind of old Westy and violenty. Well, it's not even I mean, it's like hillbillies. <laughs> it's like yeah, 21st it's like rednecks, century hillbillies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the book, this was Native Americans. And on one hand, that's like super racist because they're savages. On yes. the other hand, I think he wanted to reflect, again, the past of the English colonization of America. I guess. It's just so racist to call Native Americans savages, though. Well, this was 100 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, okay, so we're introduced to John, who basically works in the Savage Lands, which is kind of like a theme park almost. Like, people come and, like, visit and see skits of uh, people acting out the old savage ways. And he, like, washes cars and, like, maintains props and stuff. And we also get introduced to his mom, uh, played by Demi Moore. And I didn't I didn't notice her at first. I was like, she looks very familiar, but she also looked really weird. Yeah, she was she was a little off. Me's aged a little bit. That's okay. She still looks good for her age. It was just, I think, the weird blonde wig. Yeah, she had a weird yeah. wig and stuff. Uh, and then he likes this girl, Madison, but she's with another dude and not really into him gets him involved and kidnapped by these like I guess resistance terrorist group that exists in the Savage Lands that wants to like attack the new London tourists that come to gawk at them. And the episode ends with uh, like Lenina and Bernie together. Like she tried to go back to being like normal and be with other people and she he said that, that would make her happy. And it seemingly has not. So they kind of discuss that and then the ideas are going to take a trip together to the Savage Lands. Yeah, and, and Marx is also, again, this is way more evident in the book, Marx is also a little off. You know, he is chastising Lenina for being antisocial and stuff, but then he removes his eye camera, and his boss, the director, chastises him for being too private. Right. And, and again, this is way more evident in the book. Marx is literally like an inferior alpha. He's He's an alpha plus or whatever the designation is, he's supposed to be the top, but no one treats him like it. And in the book, it's something like he's too short and he's just physically smaller. And people talk about behind his back, like, oh, if something got messed up in his breeding or whatever you call that. Well, his friend basically makes fun of him like that too, though. Like Helm, because she's like, he's like, I'm an alpha. And she's like, are you really... Yeah, that's what people like constantly say the whole show to him, which um, is important to his storyline. And at one point, Lenina, towards the end of the episode, actually calls him a hip hypocrite. Like she barges in on him, uh, I think because they had seen each other at the sex orgy club, which, by the way, in the book, they had nice songs uh, called Orgy Porgy. I, I missed that. I was sad they didn't put that in the show. But she like having sex with someone in an orgy and like Marx just leaves like he's not comfortable with it. And they have they they do a projection of them having sex to fool Indra. Like that's kind of the last thing in the episode, which is a little strange. Then also just like if that works, then how good is this goddamn AI? I, I don't know. I mean it sees what it wants to see, but it also assumes that everyone's kind of, you know, in line. I guess. 
Uh, I was going to say, though, uh, the one good thing about, like, the actor they chose to portray Marx is, do you, do you remember who he is? No, he's like Tom Hiddleston Light. He's Viserys Targaryen in Game of Thrones. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, he looks so different. So him playing like a petulant like man-child yeah, is a fits. perfect casting. <laughs> yeah. And the woman I'm not familiar with uh, that plays Lenina Crown. These are the three main characters, by the way. John the Savage, Bernard Marks, and Lenina Crown. Right. I'm not familiar with the woman that plays Lenina Crown. I guess she was in Downton Abbey. Probably pretty well known to most people. She reminds me of Kira Knightley. Because she's English? <laughs> she doesn't look like her. Her facial features remind me of Knightley. Maybe just British, whatever. John is played by Alden Ehrenreich, who was Han Solo, young Han Solo. He's been in a handful of other things. Pretty well-known actor. Actually, kind of the most well-known actor. And, I mean, they had a pretty good balance throughout the show of the three of those characters. Not really one of them took charge, but I would say, if anything, Lenina is the main character. Yeah, sure. I agree with you there. And in the book... She's kind of the exact opposite character in some ways. She is like 100% into the system. She is promiscuous and popular and happy to just fuck around and do stuff. And I don't remember her ever kind of going against the system. And spoilers, in this show, she almost literally takes down the system. So I actually appreciated that change in her because in the books, she's a fairly flat character. Yeah, I mean, I assume it was also done just because creating a female character that's just literally a promiscuous. But that's what she's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that just feels wrong in our yeah, culture now. Okay, so episode two, they... Want and consequences. All right, so they travel to the Savage Lands by like a rocket plane thing. So I was laughing because as a child... This is exactly how I thought planes worked. That you would like they just blast shot into off. space. You'd blast off in like like basically suborbit, That's and what then they like will land. I mean, that is what some planes do, sort of. That is what planes of the future will do. Apparently, yeah. But yeah, they take a hovercraft out to this launch site and then launch on a rocket, which is very much from the book except instead of hovercrafts they had helicopters because that was the future in 1930 which i mean give them credit so yeah they land they like start to discuss the savage lands like when is reading like a guidebook about it that explains these things it's kind of funny um they discuss they discuss the attractions the house of monogamy the house of want uh consequence which is just literally prison I like there's a there's a line later on where they discuss it uh, in a later episode. And in prison, you're just like you're you do what they tell you to do and you you get fed on a specific schedule. And like another character goes, oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's like they're, <laughs> they're in prison. Like that's a, <laughs> they're in prison. Their society. <laughs> yeah. But they also have the house of oh, the, 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 the annual day of black also made me laugh. That was awesome. <laughs> it was scary accurate. Yeah. It's Black Friday, and they just literally simulate the worst of Black Friday with people literally mobbing yeah. and just you, going you ape shit. Trample over people so you can get that $100 TV. Yeah, sad but true. Okay, so other than doing all that, they also discuss like ancient traditions like 
saving your your virginity till marriage, but they also don't understand what virginity is, which made me laugh because yeah. it is kind of like a made up concept. It doesn't really mean anything. But then I I like that they almost bang, and then they decide to save themselves for a fake wedding night. Yeah, which is super weird. Like I don't understand what impact it had on them or what they fully understood because if that was the case you know they're totally going against their their system and their society well yeah i mean they were they were really into this idea of being here and out of that society and getting to role play kind of like these savages right uh anyways so they end up at the house of monogamy uh so it's just like a skit of a crazy redneck wedding but then shit gets wild. The resistance shows up and they start killing everyone. Well, so the whole skit is that uh, they take everything over the top. I mean, the, the day of black was like scary accurate, but the house of monogamy was fucking insane because it was like the bride is pregnant with another man's baby and that man kills the groom and then everyone shoots each other at the wedding. That's their skit. Yeah, it's like a Jerry Springer episode on steroids. Right, right. The problem is, so part of what John does, John the Savage, uh, by the way, that is like his name constantly in the book. Yeah, he doesn't have a last name. He is John the Savage. But he's always just John in the show. Like in the book, it's constantly the Savage, Mr. Savage. Like it's, it's his last name in the book. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I just found it funny that, like, the no family no uh, thing with last names, everybody that's in the society has one. But the guy that actually had a family literally doesn't have a last name. Yeah, in the book, the only two people that don't have last names are John and Linda, who are the savages. Spoilers, Linda is not. She is from New London, which we'll get to. We'll find that out next episode. But the other thing was John loaded. John was in charge of the props for the show, so he loaded blanks into the guns and all that but he loaded real bullets because of what the resistance wanted so everyone literally killed each other and then the resistance showed up and started killing all of the new londoners yeah they did call them new worlders which again was a total throwback to you know the the past native americans Hmm. so some of the other differences in again in the book it is a native american reservation I don't think they have all these skits and stuff. They literally just watch the people live their normal lives, which again is strange enough to them. Yeah, the skit kind of thing kind of made it feel more like it was like Westworldy. Yeah, that super yeah. that totally I was like, wow, this is super Westworld at this point. And yeah, I don't remember many of the details. I mean, I know they like smoke peyote and stuff. And John is a really, really weird guy in that society. He does not fit into the savage society his mom linda had like encouraged him to read a lot and he read shakespeare and he talked in a weird way brave new world comes from shakespeare so that's kind of he's like this embodiment of this i don't know proper londoner kind of like she kind of tried to make him into that i think but she also super resented him like linda hated john and wanted Hmm. nothing to do with him interesting i mean it makes sense because you learn that like being a mother is considered literally like, the worst. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, the John in this show is not anything like that. He's just a regular like American dude, basically. Yeah. Like I said, they're just like 21st century hillbillies. 
Okay, so in the craziness of all that stuff, though, where all the new Londoners are basically getting shot up, uh, Lenina and Bernie escape. Bernie gets shot, though. And then John, we I think we cut to John. And John's trying to, like, get his mom to run away because he's, like, afraid of uh, his involvement with the resistance. But she's still convinced that, like, his dad that he doesn't believe exists is going to come back and save them from this wretched existence that they have. So anyways, uh, I think that does it for episode two. Well, the very end is John finding Lenina. He's tracked right. down Lenina okay. and, and Bernard. The only other thing I wanted to bring up with that is, and it may have not been as clear in the show, but in the book, it's a little bit more obvious that the reason Bernard was sent there, he was encouraged to go there by the director. Uh, and I think in the show, he literally says, like, this is not a recommendation. Like, he's basically telling him, you have to go to the Savage Lands because you're acting all crazy, ironically, and being private and shit. So go on vacation and, and you know, you'll come back better. But in the book, it is, he's meant to be the warden of the Savage Lands, and he's not, he's not coming back. He's almost banished there. It's kind of hinted that that's supposed to be the case here, too. Yeah, the current warden, like, talks to him and is like, wait, didn't you hear? Didn't you know? But then he ends up dead, so you don't really ever find out for sure. But Marx does speculate about that in like the next episode or the episode after that. So John takes them, the two Newlanders home. He's feeling like guilty for his involvement. Uh, Linda kind of does some like redneck surgery with some flyers. Hey, we prefer the term hillbilly. <laughs> and removes a bullet from Bernie using some pliers. Yeah. And then... Madison comes looking for for John. They have to hide like the New Londoners. Anyways, yeah. So she comes looking for the outsiders uh, who are hiding in the house now. She's kind of like a the monster looking for the survivors. <laughs> and she looks kind of creepy. She's got the uh, she's still got the wedding dress on. And it's all bloody and weird. Kind of like a Bride of Frankenstein kind of look going on. Um, anyways, uh, so she looks for them. She's about to find them. Linda ends up killing her. Uh, Linda reveals that she's a beta plus that got abandoned there. And she couldn't make it back through the shield that exists, which also that part doesn't make sense later on. Because did she just not try? No. She she uh, uh, The implication was she didn't try. She didn't have okay. any way to actually get back, even though she could get through the barrier. I don't know. Is it is it her conditioning? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Okay, uh, anyways, so they run from the house. They take a shelter at, like, this neighbor's trailer. Uh, they cauterize Bernie's wound using, like, a a spoon. Uh, they get found out by the rebels. I don't remember exactly what happens there because I watched this episode a while ago. But they basically end up on the run and drive off using the, uh, the other guy's car or truck, right? The auto car. The auto car, <laughs> yeah. So I don't remember what happens here. So you might uh, refresh my memory. But I remember that, like, it ends up with just the New Londoners in the car. And then Bernie decides to, like, act his level and start to try to drive it off without them. How did they end up outside of it? Yeah, they, they got out of the car. I think they they were hit. Basically, they, had, they hit a roadblock. These, uh, you know, the resistance group was not letting anyone kind of leave the area because... Uh, again, they've been looking for these two people and they didn't want them to escape through the barrier. There's there's a literal like 
force field all around the Savage Lands, apparently, that only the New Londoners can pass through. So they stop at this roadblock, and yeah, John gets out for some reason, and then Linda kind of chases after him. I, I don't really remember why. I just remember them having a conversation about like, well, he doesn't believe he, her he thinks bullshit. he's going to die when he tries right. to go through the barrier. And she's like, no, 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 you belong there. And, and we need to go there. Your father was an alpha. You'll be fine. Uh, it's a wonderful place. No one has any pain or any fear there. Let's let's go. But yeah, then Bernard chilly drives the car and kind of crashes it. And then they come back. Yeah, he doesn't even he like puts it in a drive. And then he just, no, I think he moves. puts it in a neutral because it just rolls. Forward. <laughs> it just rolls. Yeah. It's like and I'm like driving it. Damping on the accelerator, so I, I don't think it's in drive. Okay. And it, yeah, anyway, they end up like just shooting people randomly, the resistance. So they just all ditch the car and leave. Yeah, they basically just on foot. They run for the shield. Uh John's still like scared that he's gonna die immediately. Uh if he tries to go through it and he won't go through, and his mom pushes him through, but she gets shot in the process. But they, they actually get through the shield unscathed. And we see like a random resistance dude kind of run at them and then hit the shield and immediately disintegrate. So it does work to kill the savages. Yeah. So I guess his mom was telling the truth and he's he's a new Londoner. I don't know how that works. Like, is it because something his in the DNA, DNA is yeah. on file? Okay. I'm, I'm sure it's DNA coded. Does a really quick lookup. To see if uh, it should kill you or not? No, there's probably just a gene that lets them through the shield. <laughs> sure. Okay. Anyways, uh, yeah, so they get through. They uh, make it back to the, the rocket plane thing. And they're returning to New London. Well, before they leave, Bernard is basically on the ground. The rest of them have walked off. And this resistance leader woman is basically yelling oh, yeah, at yeah, him yeah. to say, hey, this is our land. We're free now. Which, again native american references you know she's kind of just like tell your people not to come here anymore right all right anyways okay so after that they get back to the, sh the plane thing they head back lita dies of her wound on the way back and back home bernie gets like all healed up again he's ready to try to get back to normal and lenina's having trouble processing like all the emotions she was feeling because of all the crazy stuff that just happened to them. She's not as like willing to go back to the status quo as, as Bernard is John grieving. Isn't until the next episode, right? Yeah. He's, he's just stuck in a cell at this point and, and yeah. literally screaming at the walls asking where his mother is. The director. He, he, does, he, I don't think he has a name. He's literally just he's the, the director. director. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no. They literally say later on they didn't even know his name. The characters in the show didn't know his name. No one knew his name. <laughs> but anyway, he's looking over Linda's body, and you know, John's yelling at the walls to say, "I want to see my mother." And and Mond, the world controller, uh, this woman is basically saying, "Hey, let's just let him deal with this." And then she like opens the door to his cell and and tells him that he's home. And that's kind of the end of the episode that he's he walks out of his cell. Well she also says like that this is like normal for them. Like they deal with like attachment to parents and stuff. So she knows more about how like humanity normally works. Yeah, it's not really clear what she is for a very long time. 
Yeah. And in the book, uh, she was male. They're, almost all of the characters were male in the book. And um, she's just another New Londoner. Like, she's the, the you know, the, the head person. She's the top of the hierarchy. But he, I should say, is not different in any way. And, and we'll see later that the female Mond in the show is is very different. Yeah. Okay. So, episode four. John's still grieving for his mother. Swallow. What? Swallow is the name of the episode. I don't know oh, why. Swallow. Okay. Oh, I know why. The very oh, last thing in the yeah, episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, so he's still kind of just being, like, viewed by the citizens who don't understand his, like, reactions to all this stuff. He's kind of like an animal exhibit, almost, because there's, like, a glass case that he's in when he's also, like, looking over her yeah it, it's weird and they don't understand why he's so upset lenina meanwhile is trying to like wean herself off of soma she's not taking it she's trying to experience all her new feelings and then bernie is seemingly back to normal but he isn't he's just trying to suppress his emotions too uh and then but he's also like really into trying to get attention now and telling his story about how he drove an auto car. i drove an auto car i was shot <laughs> yeah. at <laughs> yeah and then he also gets selected to to help uh john acclimate to society which is intended as a punishment originally even though no one says that right and then there's a bit where john is basically classified alpha but then it also says that he might be alpha exotic but i don't think they ever explain what that means yeah, so you know, again in the in the book, it I, that's not a thing, by the way. Okay, but I think it would make more sense from the context of the book that his his DNA is literally like superior to everyone, right? They say he's in the one percent or something like that in the show. It's yeah, it's not really explained. What we know is he's well. I don't know if we know this, but we find out shortly he's the son of the director. Yeah, we find out later in this episode. So, yeah, but basically, uh, Bernard does say something like he's not an alpha. And then the guy that's scanning his eye says his eye is. So literally their genes are coded with their class. Well, yeah, it's not even just that, like his his eye is also pre-existing in the system, he says. Like there's already yeah, a profile I didn't, for I didn't it. know if that was. Yeah, like there was a very specific uh, ID designation. And I didn't know if that pointed to an actual individual i mean we'll see later on that it seemingly does i guess so yeah yeah i mean like bernard kind of discovers later on like uh he goes to the director's office and the director's not there but john has been like taken by the director somewhere but while that's happening he finds the director's optic and it's literally the same exact thing as john's optic which I don't know, like, it doesn't necessarily specify a specific person, more so that, like, because their father and son, they have the exact same genetic markers. Yeah, I mean, the the whole thing in the book, and again, it's vague in the show, I mean, seemingly, they they obviously shouldn't be able to reproduce. They have sex all the time. I, I think the, the reproductive capabilities have been, like, weeded out of all of humanity. And at one point in the show, Lenina asks Linda how she could be a mother. Like, literally, how is it possible? 
but it's not otherwise explained in the show at all. Yeah, makes no sense. So yeah, while this is going on with Bernie, yeah, the director took John. He has apparently uh, gotten him a like special rocket that can take him back to the Savage Lands, but he doesn't belong with the society here. He's really just trying to cover up his shame he has a child. Yeah, but it is interesting that he doesn't kill him. You know, he wants to send him back. Yeah. And this guy never shows any emotion, and it's never, you know, does he feel a connection to his son, or is it, I don't know. Like, I, I thought he was just going to push him off the cliff. Right, but, like, the thing is, like, nobody nobody exhibits any form of violence. Like, that's a savage cap- uh, thing. So Oh, so maybe he couldn't it might, it, yeah, yeah, it might not even be that he cared about his son, just that he wasn't really thinking about killing him. He was just getting rid of him in the way that he could. True. Yeah, but John's not going back. If John goes back, John's going to die. Uh, so he kind of gets into like a shoving kind of grappling match with his father and then ends up pushing him off the cliffside. Then he returns back to the city and ends up inside of a crazy orgy thing and gets scared and then <laughs> like hides feeling. on top of. Yeah. <laughs> and then ends up hiding on top of a metal structure, basically batting away the zombie like orgy people. And then uh, Bernard shows up and kind of saves him and offers him Soma again, which John finally takes. So hence Swallow. Yeah. So one other thing in that episode, there's a really interesting exchange between Lenina and Bernard again, where Lenina's struggling with her emotions. She's actually at work and just like stops working and then leaves. And she goes to talk to him and she says, like, she keeps thinking about what happened. And he's like, well, you know, just take some Soma, check your levels and uh, we'll get back to how you were. And she's like, I, I don't want to go back to how I was. I want to keep thinking about this. So that's kind of a big turning point for her. And, you know, he's saying you're he's basically saying, like, everyone here is happy unless they choose not to be. You're choosing not to be happy. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, I think the, the other thing that like she ends up also kind of giving into the system again, like John does. Uh, and she returns to, to Henry Foster, that alpha that she was like uh, sleeping with in episode one and tells him that they, they should go back to like how it was. And yep. that might like normalize her again. Yep. And the other thing was Mond had a conversation with Bernard and it's kind of not clear why she chose to talk to Bernard, but she says that, you know, Indra is testing us with the John. That, you know, this is all by design. Everything in the system is designed. Nothing is random. There is no chaos. Indra, this, you know, god AI is testing us. Uh, and then tells him that the director is dead and that there's going to be another director. But she kind of almost threatens him in a way, like get your shit together with John or the new director is going to deal with you or something. Like, it's kind of a weird implication. Hmm. Let's see. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. None of the, none of the Mond stuff engaged with me very well. So I don't really remember. Most oh, of I loved all of that. Cause that was all new. I don't know. It, it didn't seem as well uh, put together as like the interactions between like the three main characters. Hmm. Anyways, uh, so yeah, John is being introduced in society more by Bernie in episode five. Firefall. Uh, Firefall. 
but John's more of a disruptive force. His actions are like more random to these new Londoners. Interactions with him generally result in like everyone taking Soma because they can't just kind of understand what the hell's going on. I do love the click. They got the click <laughs> so well. Just a click, take Soma. Every time there's something that goes wrong, click. He gets introduced to, um, I guess, Helm. I guess and before that, he ends up like in a room with a bunch of betas that she had just like banished, kind of. Uh, and he starts talking to them and makes them question why they don't want to be alphas. Like, do they never want to be different from what they currently are? And they don't like understand that concept. And then he ends up like picking a fight with somebody, uh, but just for fun. He kind of just laughs at them at their like response to it. Uh, and then he meets Helm. She's the one that makes these like feelies or like basically orgy parties. <laughs> she she's are. a porn director. I mean, it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. in 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 the book. I think it's just movies or something. You know, in this, it's like haptic feedback and and you know, kind of future shit. Yeah, but she's like really into John. She basically is like, oh, we're gonna fuck, and then has him uh, has Bernie bring him to her like next feely party thing. Uh, and then before they go there, everyone's like wearing these like base, like pattern suits and clothes and stuff. Right. But yeah, John refuses to wear that. He asks his like helper, who's a gamma named Gary, uh, who uh, like what he thinks of it. And then like Ber- Bernard's confused who the fuck Gary is. He- <laughs> I like that he didn't know his name. And then he also <laughs> says that gammas don't have an opinion about things. So I mean. <laughs> they're just conditioned to treat people indifferent in the book. They are literally different. Like their brains would not be as developed. So it kind of just alludes to that in the show. It's not actually true. I mean, Gary is a normal human like the rest of them, basically. That's interesting. The funny thing is you keep saying that. And the only thing I keep thinking of is the Morlocks in in like time machine where humanity basically became like two different races. That's like what the Epsilons are. They are like basement-dwelling servants that, yeah, they're not normal. Interesting. Okay. Anyways, yeah. So Gary basically suggests that he'd look better in like the sick, like slick black suit that he has, which does look better than the stupid space things. I don't know why anyone would ever wear that. Anyways, they go to the party, and then Bernard's like, ha, see, like, everyone's wearing this. Don't you wish you were wearing this, too? And, like, John's like, no. He wants his individuality. Yeah. And then they, they're they at the Pleasure Gardens. They um, John ends up alone with Helm. And I like how she describes her, like, story that she made. <laughs> so I wrote it down. It's like, you're on the moon. Then you fall into a crater of fire. Oh, there's an orgy at the end. Yeah, <laughs> like, I had I had that quote too. He's like, "Where's the story?" And she's like, "Oh, there's like, an that's, orgy at that's the not end." Not a story. <laughs> yeah. The, before that, I really liked that she talked about how she orchestrated everything in the party. She made people wear these things. She put people together. She was playing Indra, which was just a way of saying playing God. Hmm. Right. That is that is interesting because, like, what aspect of any like cast personality would that fall under nothing right like she's already an outlier then oh she's definitely a a strange bird and by the way in the um in the book she is a man and he is just a propaganda writer 
kind of boring. Like he's not a very interesting character. I don't remember much of anything about him. So you much prefer the the yes. show version? Yeah. Yes. Like I said, most of the characters are way more fleshed out. And in the book, there's like ten men and one woman, so it's kind of. Well, anyways, uh, so yeah, he tells her that's not a story, uh, and then he makes up a story about a mother and son running away from a demon. Yeah, which is I like just that story. It was so fucking weird. I thought it was a, a thing at first, and then it's like, oh, he's just bullshitting stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they've never heard stories. He can make up whatever right. fucking story she he wants, and he's out about it. She is going nuts for it. <laughs> yeah, like... quite literally, because she fucks him. <laughs> but like imagine that you can literally be the best writer of all time because you're the only writer around what it was yeah so they have sex and the meanwhile bernie is enjoying his uh popularity at being i wrote the savage's friend but they they basically say like it's, it's, he's your savage right is that that's how they refer to it yeah i mean he's like his his guardian his keeper uh, and in the in the book again, uh, he, Bernard brings John back like a trophy. Like it, John doesn't save his life. John doesn't. That's that's not part of it. Bernard literally the only way he gets back from his exile is bringing John back because John is this weird thing. And again, there's a lot of differences. I haven't gone into all of them. There's no rebellion in the Savage Lands. There's no wall keeping people in. None of that. The Savage Lands is just like a Native American reservation that's way the fuck away. And people go there to look at them and then leave. And for I don't remember exactly why, but basically, you know, Bernard was meant to be banished there. He brought John back because he was this, you know, special thing. And Linda came back and was fine. She just like OD'd on Soma because she couldn't transition or some shit that's that that was like the whole storyline there interesting and, and other than that john and lenina kind of have a thing bernard never treats him as a normal human or any of that so he's never really his friend interesting okay well anyways yeah so he's he's enjoying the popularity of basically being associated with john i think he also tells his stupid auto car story again yeah and then, uh, and then Henry Foster appears and is kind of a douche and kind of like brings him back down to earth. Yeah, Henry Foster's like his boss, and he's like a proper alpha plus. And it, it's shown early on, and this is very much apparent in the book that Bernard is very jealous of Henry, especially because of his you know relationship with Lenina. Right. I mean, yeah, that's hinted at throughout the show too. Because uh, yeah. Like Henry Foster basically goes like, yeah, savages can fucking drive cars. <laughs> like it doesn't make you special because you drove one. Uh, and he's like, actor level. And then he also announces that he's going to be the new director. And then he goes and he makes out with Lenina. So I think all of that combined just kind of like upsets Bernie. Uh, he kind of like tries to leave, uh, and then John appears and goes like, yeah, you should just go punch that guy in the face. And I, I like the scene with him uh, learning how to make a fist and punching because he's so awkward when he's punching. Yeah, it was very was well cool. acted. But I do like his explanation uh, or her, or his rationalization of why he should hit him in the face. He says, you, you, you only do things that feel good. It'll feel good to hit him in the face. And 
<laughs> like Bernard just accepts that. He's like, yeah, sure, I'll do something that feels good. Yeah. <laughs> but he also asks, like, is it going to hurt? He's like, yeah, uh, but it'll feel better than it hurts. Yeah. So, yeah, he uh, he learns how to do a punchy, and then he goes out and he punches Henry Foster. Uh, and then this crowd is like all like, whoa, what the fuck's going on? But then everyone gets like uh, all like ch- cheers like John for it, even though he wasn't directly involved. And then like Bernie kind of like mopes off. And then uh, he and Lenina are outside and they kind of have like a nice moment. They're looking at this like simulated like uh, projection of Earth. And they're talking about how they kind of feel a little bit disconnected since their whole like adventure in the Savage Lands. And it seems like a nice moment, and then all of a sudden we see a giant ad appear on the planet uh, for the next uh, feely that's happening. I did like the ad for Savage Lands too. This show sometimes has in-world ads, which are really funny. I kind of wish they had somehow integrated actual ads into that. You know what I mean? Like product placement to take away from actual ads. Mm. Like just make things more in-world. I thought that would have been funnier, but... Maybe it doesn't fit in this world. Oh, and the last thing you didn't mention, there's just a giant orgy. Like, everyone freaks out about the punch, and then they just all have an orgy, and and Helm just films it all. Oh, well, yeah, the other part I was going to go over, too, is that um, there's a scene we see of C-Jack 60 and Epsilon. Uh, I didn't discuss him before, but he, like, he was there when that first Epsilon committed suicide. And he... He did have a conversation with Mond because he touched the body and she went and interrogated the group of Epsilons and he said he felt different since he touched his friend's body. And he is probably the only person in the show to use the word friend, I think. Uh, I think I think Bernard uses it too. And Maybe. Linnea. Yeah. But it's it's kind of abnormal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... It doesn't seem like the Epsilons are even supposed to have any form of, like, socialization with each other. They're literally just, like, fucking cleaning machines. Yep. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, we see him, like, make a fist. So, kind of alluding to what he's learning. Well, yeah, at the party, he's, you know, there as a fucking janitor. And he questions why the Betas get to have an orgy, but the Epsilons don't. And, you know, he kind of says that to another Epsilon, and she's like, what are you talking about? Like, she doesn't even know how to process that. But yeah, it kind of shows his evolution a little bit. Um, and we also get another scene of Lenina having sex with Foster, but like she takes on the more dominant role. Yeah. And that like weirds him out. But like, I don't know, it's like into it, but he's not like willing to admit that he's into it, I guess. Uh, and then he basically uh, kind of shuts her down. It's like, this is never happening again. Because you're supposed to stay at your level. Yeah. And, and then, the other... uh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say the other bit we do see is um, a more scenes of Mond and how she is coming to realize how she literally has like no control over the system. Yeah, she's she's playing she's playing go with this other younger woman, and it's not totally clear. There is a scene at one point. Actually, this may have been this may have been in episode five that she invites Mark to her place to talk to him. And she's talking to this woman, but Mark's never interacts with this woman. Like, it's kind of weird. I actually thought, I thought she was, because the woman does look similar, I thought she was 
talking to like a projection of her younger self. Yeah, that's what I thought. Just that's what I thought it was too. True in some ways. Sure. The other big theme throughout this episode is Lenina because she is is off Soma. She goes to see John and his conditioning and gets really stressed out for some reason. She almost takes Soma again, but then stops. She tries to talk to her friend Franny and tries to tell her to not take Soma. They play a game of tennis and Lenina's like super aggressive, but that makes her better. But she kind of freaks everyone out. And then Franny has this weird outburst at the end. And that becomes relevant a little later on. But yeah, okay. That kind of plays into why at the very end she and Bernard are talking about, you know, not fitting in, feeling different. Okay. All right, episode six. In the dirt. Okay. So everyone's rocking the new fashion trend, the Henry Foster, which is just a black eye. Yeah. John is like a celebrity. Whoa, Uh, you didn't talk about the trailer for Face Punch. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't. I, I I completely forgot about that. Yeah, the the ads are pretty funny for all the random crap in universe. And did you have anything else you wanted to add on for Face Punch? No, it was just really funny. There was a random tra- in-world trailer for it, and it's, I don't know, kind of like an action feely for them. Right, but it's still, it still seemingly is not anything substantive. It's just Face Punch? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's about a guy getting punched in the face and you can feel it. <laughs> okay. Uh anyways, so, yeah, John's John's a celebrity now. Like basically whatever he does is like exciting people. And he uses his clout to basically sleep with a bunch of people who he keeps uh, saying reminds him of somebody he used to know. <laughs> yeah, he has this set story that he randomly starts telling and then it just kind of goes through a montage of them going to parties, him telling the story, getting laid, taking Soma. Yeah, he was running through the foothills. <laughs> Mount <Mantimitava>. hiking. <laughs> Anyways, go watch Friends. That's a throwback <laughs> to our other episode too. I don't remember which episode that Anna was. Season two, because they were in the hills of Mount Tipidabo. Okay, Tipidabo. There you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so yeah, Bernie's kind of riding on his coattails. Like his association with John keeps him like popular too. But John's getting tired of it, like all the same shit over and over again of just saying the same story and sleeping with people. I love that when they have this conversation, Bernard's talking about how the trend is starting to die. And, you know, there's been like a montage of this. (laughs) And it's he asks him, like, you know, John's been totally caught up in shit and and, in like a total frenzy. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. But Bernard says something like it's only been six days that he's been there. But it right. You know, it feels like months kind of. Yeah, the montage makes you feel like it's been going on forever. But that also apparently is forever. Trends don't last that long here, apparently. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's six days. There's no, That's unheard of. No trend has lasted that long. Yeah. Well, anyways, okay, so yeah, he's getting tired of it, John. Uh, he runs into Lenina. He convinced her to come with him, like, off the beaten path. I don't remember. Does she take out her um, optic, or does she have that on when she goes through all this stuff? Yeah, that was the weird part. I think she had it in, and that yeah. seems like a bit of an oversight that they... Well, okay, so there's parts of it later on that I'm confused about, so I'll talk about that. They might make more sense with her having her optic on for this bit. And by the way, I should mention, at this point, 
the show is in no way similar to any part of the book. It's probably why it doesn't quite always make sense. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, none of a lot of it is very different. I'm just going to say I'm going to leave the book there. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. It has a totally different ending. The book is fairly short, too. Like, it, I, I would have... I really struggled when this show was coming out to understand how they were going to make this book into one season of a show, let alone multiple. Mm -hmm. And they just completely split midway through. That's how. And made their own story. Yeah, which makes sense. And yeah. to be honest, like, I... We'll get to it, but I, I enjoyed the show, except for the parts that didn't make any sense. But I've also I trusted it would be okay because like you know Grant Morrison's involved. Ooh, oh yeah, I we like. didn't mention that comic writer for those of you who don't know. Uh, and then I don't remember what David Weiner did, but I also just like laughing at that name Weiner. Uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, he convinces Lenina to go off the beaten path with the path with him. They take the Epsilon train, which no one goes on except for Epsilons to uh, like a field and it's kind of like a beautiful like landscapey kind of area she's like oh wow i've never been here before she's like why have i never like like seen this before like why have i never explored anything outside of what i'm kind of supposed to yeah she kind of freaks out about it at one point yeah anyways uh so they end up sleeping together meanwhile bernie's embarrassed because he had promised to bring john with him to henry foster's induction but he tries to make the best of it and try to take John's place and try to tell his auto car story again. Like it's literally the only exciting thing that's ever happened to him. I was burned. I was shot. <laughs> but no one cares. Yeah. He like, he starts it. He tells the story like, like two or three times to, he starts over. He's like, maybe I told it wrong. I, I mean, it, it, it uh, it's very evident that, you know, John is a natural storyteller and Bernard has no idea what the fuck he's doing. Right. And then John gets home and Gary's like, he's, he's here. He's waiting for you. And he sees like Bernie there and he makes like a fist. And he's ready to fight him. And I guess John realizes like, oh. He says, like, you're, you, you know, your story's no longer relevant. You're, he, he's kind of bringing him back to the fact that the trend is dying. Let's, you know, he kind of hints up, let's make a new trend. Right. And then they do, like, this fake fight that, like, Gary is broadcasting with his optics to everyone. And it works. Uh, we see, like, Helm seeing it. He's like, ah, oh, Bernie, you, you're genius. Like, that's how he can still stay relevant. Yeah, and we should mention, everyone is able to see everyone else's vision. Everyone can look at your optic, optic interface OI. So that's they literally all watch what Gary is watching. Yeah, I just like that when it stops. Gary is like freaking the fuck out. Like he cannot handle this violence, and they just throw him a sofa. <laughs> yeah, poor Gary. But the other really big thing in this episode is Mond, or should I say Jane? Oh, yeah, yeah, they kind of go over what Indra actually is, too. Well, yeah, I mean, she goes to the underworld, the old London. We also didn't mention New London is built on top of old London, which, by the way, that image is what I'm using for all of our social media posts. That is the coolest fucking thing ever. The shot of New London literally sitting on top of the old on these big platforms. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. So Mon goes to, like, this underworld. Uh, she walks through, like, a sewer... And then she ends up 
on a beach. And, you know, I thought, sure, it's possible that it opened up underneath and she's on a beach. But then she talks to the guy we know as C-Jack 60. But it's quickly revealed that his name is Elliot and all of the C-Jacks are his clones. So this is another uh, what are called world controllers, but kind of, you know, founders seemingly. Uh, she talks about there being a new virus that's disrupting Indra and all this stuff. And it's it's kind of vague, but Jane, as Mond is actually called, Elliot kind of deduces that she's dying. And, well, okay, she does have a nice speech. So she talks about the formation of Indra, and she says at the end, when the water rose, like it seemed like there was kind of an ap- apocalyptic scenario mm-hmm. that drove them to create Indra. And they said that they turned her loose on the world to remake it. But they never told her to stop. So the problem was that they created this thing to kind of figure out the problems of the world. And one of the things they said is maybe the problem is people that she got, you know, she iterated and got, you know, maybe too controlling of humanity. And again, Elliot says something kind of strange about like, they're they're not your children. If you die out there, it's going to be forever. So then you finally kind of see that this whole beach thing was this kind of uh, a simulation. And these nine other founders are all laying in kind of a stasis. And Mond, Jane, is apparently the only person that's, you know, actually outside of it and managing the, the world, the other humans that apparently they have created. Yeah. So what happened to all the other humans? I assume they died okay like i said i it it's very vague it kind of hints at it being a post-apocalyptic thing i mean obviously that the people in the savage lands in america are pretty normal but they are stuck in like the 21st century so i don't know it's not it's not clear Uh, and then the last thing is that she I think Julia, uh, Julia Jane Mond is like leaving the the tunnel, the sewers, and she hears this voice that is saying, "No one can help you." And then the tunnel just floods, and that's kind of the end of the episode. Hmm. All right, episode seven: Monogamy and Futility. So John and Lenina continue their tryst. Yeah, all of this is new to Lenina. They end up saying, like, I love you to each other. And she's like, did she say it right? Or like, uh, when is she supposed to say it? But like, she doesn't understand the gravity of, of that statement. And then meanwhile, uh, other than their relationship, like Bernie makes John go to um, a party by the Arch Songster, who's the guy who makes all the electro trance or whatever music they listen to. Right. And this is right before this is when they have that conversation about music. Yeah, 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 because he has his uh, Walkman. He's playing Perfect Day by Lou Reed. Yeah, Lenina had gotten it. Somehow she got access to all of his stuff from the Savage Lands and had been using it and listening to it and then kind of gives it back to him. And that's when she, I think that's when he says that he loves her and she says it back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, yeah, so that, that yeah, that's where Bernie listens to the song and he's just surprised by there being words. Or people put words into music. They used to. Why? They wanted it to mean something. That's a quote I put. Which I agree with. 
Uh, and they also um, talk about, I guess, why uh, Bernie doesn't want more than like the meaningless sex and stuff, and like the uh, he explains the concept of like dating to Bernie, uh, how you uh, kind of go out with a girl and like talk to her, and you kind of if you, if you guys decide to like have sex or something like it's you both decided you like earned it kind of not just like everyone just bangs everyone for no reason uh and then yeah the, the party that the songster is throwing is basically like a hide and go sex party <laughs> <laughs> i like that he's like yeah i know this game it's hide and go seek and uh bernard asked what do you do to someone when you catch them and he's like you let them go and he's like ah you haven't been to a frolic then because the whole point is you fuck whoever you catch <laughs> yeah weird uh yeah, he's not he's not into the hide and go sex party. He leaves, kind of mopes around the party, and ends up seeing Lenina having sex with uh, another alpha, and then gets upset. Uh, when she comes to his place later on, he tells her she's got to stop doing that, and she explains that he doesn't understand that she can't. She has to be the best beta plus she can be, uh, so that they can get there like two hours. Yeah, she says, I, I have to be a beta plus for 22 hours a day so we can have two hours together. Right. And and she, the other thing she says is, like, if, if I don't do this, I'm going to get reconditioned or banished. It's She literally says, it's this or nothing. Right, and he's like, yeah, well, why don't we just get banished? Like, we can get out of here. She's like, no one knows what happens. Then he ends up moping around at a bar and kind of makes a scene there. He says, like, uh, people well, it's, shouldn't... It's, it's it's the Epsilon area. Right, okay. It's only Epsilons. But he, he basically says people shouldn't... People aren't supposed to live like this. They're supposed to be able to choose. And that kind of uh, inspires, like, a bunch of the Epsilons. Well, it inspires C-Jack 60. Again, well, yeah, yeah. kind of at the core of everything for the Epsilons. But it's been, like... Sowing the seeds of of something with the, within them, all of his uh, interactions because like no one interacts with epsilons. The yeah. fact that that John they're does literally is... like under, literally under everyone else. Like they yeah. have an underground thing, and everyone is above them. Uh, and then uh, Bernie decides to try this dating idea, and asks uh, Lenina out, and she basically agrees due to her beta conditioning. But while they're on their date, he he essentially gets like friend zoned. Yeah, I literally wrote she friend zones him. <laughs> yeah, and then he notices that she's absentmindedly humming a "Perfect Day." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good uh, tie-in. Yeah, and kind of like uh, puts that together. There's a bit where he is kind of a dick and kind of uh, tries to insinuate something more happening. But he wants it to like be because she wants to, and he can tell that she doesn't, and then that pisses him off. Yeah, they they go back to his place, and he says, you know, that the point of a date is now to uh, choose each other to have sex, and he's like, I I choose you. You're you're worthy, Lenina, and you know he's kind of like expectantly waiting for her to say yes, and she says it, but then she's like struggling to take off her clothes, and he can kind of yeah, he he can tell, and he gets really pissed and and just yells yeah. at her to get out. All right, once again, more Mon stuff that I don't really remember. But uh, I the, the general gist I remember is, like, 
the world's kind of collapsing and the AI wants everyone to die? Well, yeah. So she wakes up from the, the sewer flooding. Like, I thought she was going to die. She goes down to Soma Pharmaceuticals, which, you know, is like an old, like, 21st century kind of building that's rusted out and in this old London. She sees a photo of herself and, and 10 other people. And her younger self is, I'm pretty sure, the is Indra. Indra looks like young Jane. And she sees the these old computers and there's go on the computer and it, you know, kind of alludes back to that, that the, the AI was beaten this. But she sees something. Oh, the other thing I did, I paused the, the video for this. Indra, integrated neuro-driven random architecture. Yeah. But she sees that Indra has changed her strategy. Like, literally, there's a visualization of Indra playing Go in a different way, and that makes her realize that, I guess. Uh, and she discovers the suicide move. There is a move in Go called that, and that's what Indra is focusing on. So, yeah, apparently she's just going to fucking have everyone kill themselves. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, 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 isn't that like the general trope when you put AI or something in charge of humanity? They realize, oh, yeah, the only time you guys are, are all happy is, is when everyone's dead. When you don't exist, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at the very end, Mon basically says, I, I control nothing. I think she may say that to Bernard. Like you're the, I think she says you're the director of nothing. I'm the controller of nothing. Not to Bernard. She said that to Foster. Oh, because okay, he's the yeah. director right now. Right, 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 right. That's it. Yep. And the other part before the end is John. Uh, Lenina did go back to John, and and she was upset, and and John goes off to Helm uh, because she had mentioned that she can make anyone feel anything, and she wants him to take feelings away. So there's literally like she can access memories and I guess make you not feel things. And I, I don't know if his intention is to not feel jealousy or what he's trying to do. Wait, so sorry. Uh, yeah, I had written down that he does connect to Indra. Uh, basically, yeah, because he wants to have all of his emotions removed, which she can't do. She can just cover them with other things. Yeah, that's the, that's the start of episode eight. At the very end of episode seven, he basically goes to her and says, I, I, I want you to remove this feeling. And to do that, he has to put in the optic interface and connect to Indra, which is... Is like that in eight? I thought that was thing. in seven. No, no that, that's in seven. And then in eight, it starts with her going through his memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without him there, yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, because he he just puts it on. And no, no, he's there. Is... He's there. He's there in the start of eight. And then is he? he? Okay. Yeah. So the, eight is monogamy and futility part two. He's there. She says, "Yeah, I, I can't remove your memories. Memories are part of who you are. I will destroy you, basically." And and yeah, he just kind of stumbles out with the with the thing in his eye. And... Anyways, yeah, I kind of just pick up with uh, Bernie. Basically, starts kind of investigating and looking into. Uh whether John and Lenina are having a relationship and kind of pesters Gary until he breaks and admits that they have sex. Lots of it. Every night. She's there every <laughs> night. Yeah. And then uh, and then he's a dick and then he kind of like taunts John by claiming to have slept with Lenina. Yeah, he goes and rescues John because John can literally can't deal with the optic interface. And everyone starts to watch him and it's like, oh, haha, he's the savage again and kind of, you know, back to like making fun of him. And yeah, Bernard goes and helps him. And I think he he 
takes uh, the interface out, but then takes him back to his place. And yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, he kind of tries to goad him into admitting it uh, by basically claiming to have slept with Lena. Uh, but yeah, John pretends like, oh, okay, yeah, good. Uh, and then he kind of mopes around the city and ends up on uh, like a bench area where the Epsilons are working and has like C-Jack 60 sit down next to him. Yeah, and that's 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 clearly like a weird moment. Like C-Jack yeah, is yeah. like, oh, you're treating me as an equal. Right, right. And then C-Jack repeats the words that John said like uh, last episode. People aren't supposed to live like this. They're supposed to be able to choose. And yeah. uh, all these people are staring at at him and C-Jack and I guess a bunch of the Epsilons because it's like, why is he like hanging out with them? And he's like, stare back at them, uh, which kind of is, is sowing the final seeds of, of what they're going to become. Then with Lenina's story, um, her friend Franny, the other Beta Plus, kind of forces her to come out to the nightclub with her, kind of try to get her back to normal. And they take Soma Orange. Yeah, Soma Orange. Does it taste Which, like Fanta? I don't know. I don't <laughs> think there's levels in the book, but yeah, it, it goes color spectrum like blue to red being the most severe. And at some point they do specifically say that yellow is for acute emotional trauma. Uh, and, and so like Franny's not supposed to have an orange. Lena asks about it, but she's like, oh, whatever. She just yeah. brushes it off. Uh, so yeah, uh, while they're like out, uh, I think like John uh, tries to see what she's up to at this point out and about Bernard her, like, totally dude. goaded him into it he you know was talking to John about having slept with Lenina and then he you know is like oh by the way you should put your optic back in remember keep an eye on anyone because he knows that he and Lenina are monogamous and I guess he suspects that John would want to keep an eye on Lenina so he plants that seed to kind of destroy their relationship I guess yeah out of jealousy so yeah, she sees so he sees her with another guy and like that kind of destroys him more. But meanwhile, she's actually like trying to slap people away. And she's like not into this kind of uh like these two people want to have like basically like a threesome with her. Well yeah, she she fucked the guy on Soma Orange and then back on the, the subway, yeah, she has another freak out. But yeah, I, I like that line because it's not just even like um like I wanted my own privacy. It's also like I'm not everyone's whore, basically. Everybody wanna, wanna... belongs to everybody. I know consent. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't exist in their world. <laughs> if you're so, not willing to fuck everyone, something's wrong. So she she returns to John's place. Um, they talk and then uh, they, they have sex and it's a really fucking oh, weird, weird scene. Weird cuck fantasy thing. I don't yeah, get it. Like, I don't know. It, it was like he was fucking with her though and himself. Yeah, he's like, well, what did you do with him? Did he did he do this to you? And he's like fucking her while the way that that guy fucked her. And it's so weird. And then like at first she's into it, but then it gets really fucking weird. Nobody's into it. And then he kind of like stops midway. And then continues moping. Like that's, that's mostly what John does for for most of the, the season. He says, "Did did he make you come?" And she's like, "No, only you." And he's like, "You're a liar. <laughs> I saw you." And yeah, it gets really fucking weird. I do like that he 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 literally is like a black clothes wearing music listening emo kid. That that's basically his character uh, throughout the the show. Yeah, he's meant to be in stark contrast to everyone else. <laughs> 
Anyways, and then um Oh yeah, Bernie is still pissed off about all this stuff. Uh he, he's jealous because he likes Lena. He goes to Henry Foster to try to have John banished. But Foster's having a breakdown because he just found out nothing matters in the world is a lie. Uh and he's like, Yeah, we need him to be a distraction right now. We're not banishing him. Well, he has this weird he he has this weird theory that the former director just disappeared, so that Foster would have to deal with the consequences, and then he would come back. Like I don't know where that came from, but yeah, like the other thing is just he needs to have like John there. Like John's a distraction that they need to keep everyone distracted from all the shit that's going on. And then yeah, that that this is when Bernard goes to Helm and then gets a hold of. Uh, like the John's memories and then sees the memory of John killing the director and uh, ends up broadcasting that to everyone. Right. Well, no, he goes to Foster and says, okay, we, we have to banish John. He killed the director and Foster's like, all right, fine. You handle it. Sure. Yeah. I remember that part, but he doesn't broadcast it first. No, I think he handles it by broadcasting it. Yeah. Okay. It's out. And then uh, he ends up taking a bunch of Epsilons with him to go, like, apprehend John, basically. Uh, but that doesn't go according to plan, because the Epsilons don't want to banish John and end up taking him with them to the Epsilon place. And the episode ends with, like, Henry Foster following some Epsilons who aren't, like, cutting the hedges and stuff properly behind some hedges. And the Epsilons reemerge with a blood spatter over their shoes and bloody trash pickers. Yeah, they went full Caesar on him, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So the other part of this is Lenina sees that everyone is watching John's memory of killing the director and she rushes back to John's place. And Franny is there and she kind of freaks out and calls Lenina a savage and says she needs reconditioning. And yeah, it's just kind of a weird interaction, but that's that's significant for the next episode. Yeah, Foster's body is discovered. Mond makes Bernie the new director, and that they have to stop the savage. Um, and then the Epsilons are hailing like John is the leader of their like revolution essentially, but he he encourages them and says they know what they want to do. He he's not like their leader. Yeah, they literally like won't let him leave. It's kind of weird. Yeah, but he does get them to destroy the the supply of Soma, yep. though. And then that causes, like, havoc uh, above ground where everyone's, like, just addicts that no longer have access to their drug supply. Yeah. But yeah, he, he doesn't want to be involved with any of this crap. He just kind of wants to find Lenina. Lenina, meanwhile, has, like, a moment where she's working and she ends up just pulling out her optic and then crushing it beneath her heel. Uh, so she's completely given up on being a part of the society. She wants to act however she wants to act. And then she ends up visiting John's place, but he isn't there. Gary's just making a bunch of chicken pot pies. I like that part. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, she tells Gary that she's leaving uh, New London. And then to tell uh, John, I said... <laughs> she doesn't say anything That's it. Jo- Jimmy <laughs> yeah. didn't cut out. She says, tell John I said, full stop. So yeah, he, he literally does repeat that exactly to John later. He's like, she said what? No, that, that's it. But then, yeah, he mentions she's leaving New London. 
yeah, so w- when he finally uh, tries to leave the Epsilon thing, they they say that they're going to go with him. And then when right when they come up top, they immediately just start murdering people. Everybody. Yeah. It's, it's fitting that society collapses the day Bernie is made director. <laughs> I was I actually wrote in my summary. I didn't quite get the Franny bit because she's reconditioned. Yeah, but not a as super, a beta plus. Super weird. She's reconditioned as like a dominatrix assassin lady. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on here. So I'm guessing I don't know if this is Indra at work potentially. I assumed I assumed it's Indra. Because basically, uh yeah, she's at the reconditioning lab and she's holding the fucking like her handler or whoever the person is like a psychologist that's supposed to be helping her hostage. Yeah. She leaves and basically attacks Lenina and tries to pull her out. And it's, it's very weird. Uh, it's not totally clear what all of that is. Yeah. The only I thing I think was that season two, maybe, but the only thing I think of was that Indra, that that was like one of the variables she couldn't really account for. Cause this person was no longer acting as expected. Oh, she was trying to control Lenina. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, literally the only sense. thing I think of that makes sense. Makes sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she captures Lenina along with a couple of the other betas that were also blaming um, Lenina for her for uh, Franny having to be reconditioned. But they run into like a group of Epsilons who immediately try to murder them, but not Lenina because she no longer has an optic. Yeah, I didn't really get that. The Epsilons like literally can't see them. I don't know if she they can't see her or if it was just because so just earlier on so earlier on Jack explains their plan with murdering everyone. He's like it's like it's like you said no one should be above or below everybody epsilon right so maybe they just because they couldn't classify her she they they don't kill her well yeah they do stop at the end when yeah yeah that's the other part I was going to discuss in a bit so it was like oh okay this was this was all a part of the plan. Yeah, I also didn't understand the bit about how Helm found a memory of Mond and her secret daughter inside of John's memories. Yeah, so again, when she accessed John, and this kind of goes on too, while people are dying, I think Indra explains to Mond or something that their feelings and memories become part of her. So presumably you know everyone is connected so john's memory is connected to all other memories but no one has understood that to this point helm basically finds it and goes to mon to say you know i i, I can sense these feelings that there's j- this uh, there's another child uh that feels like you're her mother and she misses you and that's you know clearly indra right but also indra wants to kill everyone i don't know the, the 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 whole AI bit made a, like no sense to me. Well, anyways, yeah, because like the Epsilon uprising was also actually Indra's plan then, and not John's influence. Mm, I don't know because they stop in, yeah, in a they bit. Stop when Indra's dead, right? But I don't think that was her plan. I guess. But I mean, like, do they just stop because they can no longer see designations or do they stop because it was something she was doing to them? No, I I felt it was the former. Okay. Anyways, uh, getting to her getting stopped. 
Yeah, Mond convinces C-Jack-60 to help her like, get into a room to deal with Indra. Well, yeah, she tries to go back to the room with the, her, the other controllers, the people that made Indra that are in stasis, and she literally doesn't have access. Indra's blocked her out. But for some reason, Indra hasn't blocked any of the other founders. Well, yes, I mean, C-Jack-60 is, is Elliot. He has the same DNA, so right. he's able to get in. Yeah, I don't know like why the AI would be like, okay, I'll stop you but not the nine other people. Well, the nine other people were inside. Right. But why leave anything? Like, uh, she knows the, the other people are She's a stupid AI. Like, yeah, it didn't make sense. Maybe it's all part of her plan. <laughs> sure. Yeah. The, 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 there's more weird bullshit with the AI that doesn't make sense later. Anyways, yeah. She gets uh, C-Jack-60. They come back to the uh, the underground thingy. And then... Well, so the way she the way she gets him, he he C Jack sixty goes to Marx, the director, and almost kills him, but then recognizes him as as the Soma man right. and talks about his friend that killed himself, and he just decides I, I think he kind of John had said something to him about you don't want to be a killer. You know, John didn't want any of this to happen. He kind of freaks out when they start murdering everyone. And he just lets Bernard live. And then he tries to actually sacrifice himself, stop uh, Epsilons from killing just a bunch of random alphas and betas. Yeah, it doesn't work. They just yeah. kill around him. But then he's kind of just sitting there, kind of mourning almost, and then Mon shows up and grabs him. Wounds, yeah. So Mon shows up, grabs him. Uh, Indra tries to stop him by like forcing him to see visions of crazy shit. And then he uses... Like this piece of metal that he's had. I don't think I discussed it throughout the whole season, but uh, there was a piece of metal that, like, the first guy that committed suicide had that looks like a ha unhappy face. So he's been carrying that around this entire time. Yeah, he uses that to cut the optic out of his eye. Dabs his eye out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then he gets into the control room. Indra apparently is powered by the nine people connected to the Matrix there, uh, and then. He just chokes out his non-clone version. Yeah, she she has them go around and and shut it shut the system down. Which I don't think he understands what he's doing, but it's pretty clear that they're killing the people that are in stasis. Uh, and then for some reason, Elliot wakes up and he he says something like, "Are you my maker?" And then yeah, he just chokes him out and kills him. Yeah, uh, and that kills the machine because. I don't know. Would a human brain processor be better than a futuristic processor for like a mega machine? I think in for an intelligence based machine, maybe. Mm, okay, it might explain why it does stupid things. <laughs> yeah, because it's based on humans. <laughs> yeah. So then we have a vision of like Bernie inside of like a red bubble of of things. Were those memories? Memories, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then, yeah, I guess, like, Indra says that she chose him, and then now she's going to be inside him. Anyways, he wakes up in outside New London. He's just on a cliff. Now he's wearing, like, a black suit. I like that he was now wearing what John was basically wearing the whole season. No, I think it's the director's suit. Is it? Yeah, the director always has that black suit, too. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And then Helm shows up and says that she has a vision of him as a leader. Yeah. In a place where you feel things. Uh, and then they have a magic box. What's in, what's the, in box? the box? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, we don't get to find out what's in the box. But Spoilers. they, they do. For season two. 
they run into the leader of the resistance of the Savage Lands, who's like, I told you not to come back here anymore. And uh, and then he kind of gives her the box and she's like, All right, you can you can like come with us. And then his yeah. eye glows all weird, uh, indicating that Indra is is in control, I guess. I don't know. I don't know yeah. how that works. Is she just a passenger? I don't know. Anyways, Lenina is named the new director of New London, but it's not the director of stability anymore, is it? Like it's Yeah, yeah. She she during the massacre and everything, she and John run into each other and they kind of talk and he says I love you and she doesn't say it back. And then we see throughout their relationship, they kind of had this fantasy of living as savages, you know, kind of living a simple life, fishing and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. one of the final scenes of the show is John is is fishing and he goes back home and he cooks the fish and then he sees Lenina. But we see that it's actually he's got that memory device, which I don't understand how that works without Indra, but whatever. And he's in old London. So he's like underneath the new world. Yeah. Uh, and then Lenina is out at the farms, that place where she had that freak out moment that she said, why haven't I been here before? It's so beautiful. And Mond is like telling her, yeah, you're you're in charge now. Yeah. So I guess. The new new London is going to be like more of a free choice democracy or, or maybe a dictatorship. I don't know. I guess she's in charge. I don't know how this works when the humans don't understand how humanity works. But now that they don't have drugs. I guess they'll be more human-like. And she adapted pretty quick. I guess, but she seems like she might be better off than the average person. Well, yeah, she's always been different. Uh, and then, yeah, that's it. Uh, the other question is: Will there be another season? Has have we heard anything? So yeah, no word on a on a possible season two. It's pretty early. This show's only been out for like two weeks, I think. And obviously Peacock is a totally new service, so NBC may have to figure out their metrics and see if it's worthy of a new season. It seemed like it was pretty high budget, probably, but I thought it was very good. You know, I, I enjoyed the book. It's very different from the book, but I think it is better than the book in most ways. See, like for me, I thought it was okay. Like it was interesting enough. It wasn't like spectacular. I'd probably give it like a six or a seven, maybe. Yeah, uh, I'd probably give it an eight. I, I think the world is really interesting. I'm always drawn to the. I mean, it it is very similar to Westworld in some ways, and that's my favorite show. So yeah, I, I figure I'm drawn to these more. But yeah, I mean, if you like dystopian future and, uh, I mean, the whole impact of AI, and obviously none of that was in the book, but that. Yeah, isn't totally fleshed out yet. Um, it's all a little weird, but I assume, you know, they're going to take time to do that. Th this first season was so much about world building and and character building that hopefully they'll they'll get into some more of the specifics in season two. I do find it funny that, that you rated this one higher. I mean, in general, I mean, I think I I usually rate things higher than you, but also I was wondering if it's just because you have more of kind of you you've dealt with the source material so you have more of a connection to it I and mean, even even if it's different because like even even the ones we reviewed were i've i've read the source material and they change everything i think i've generally liked those more than you have when you were just the the new viewer yeah i don't know i mean the first time i read this book i was 16 
I hated it. Uh, I had to read it for school. I was pissed that they made us read it. I was, I mean, I was a little holier than now 16 year old and didn't like the morals of the book and everything, but I reread it in college and I loved it. So I don't know. I mean, I think the source material has very little impact. The first episode was like, yeah, there's a lot of world building and I could understand how it could be confusing, but I, you know, I understood all of it already, but everything is such a diversion. Like, I mean, the book is a totally different ending. The characters are quite different. I don't know. I think I just tend to like these types of shows more. That could also possibly be true. Because this is this is my jam. This is my this is my genre. Yeah. I mean, uh, I still think sure check it out because it also makes you check out Peacock, which even though we've been talking about it uh, in our intro since episode one. <laughs> yeah, we finally got it. like episode what like forty nine or fifty that we're on is the first time yeah. we get to do anything with Peacock. Hey, that's their fault. Uh, but no, <laughs> yeah, the service is. I, I do like the free part of the service and that it's only five bucks a month. Although it's like five bucks a month with ads. Yeah, I always hate it when you pay a sub and then get ads. But I mean, it's 10 bucks a month without ads. So, I mean, that's probably a little pricey given the content they have. But a lot of it's free and you can do a seven day trial so you can binge this whole series, which I would say go for. And then, you know, pay for a month when season two comes out. I'm really surprised that they didn't go with the one episode at a time business model. I honestly think outside of uh, Disney, no one's done it, right? Like uh, Disney's the smartest one. I've been saying that is the best. I, I would hate it as a, a content you know, consumer, but from a business perspective, that is very good for Disney. I think it makes nothing but sense because, I mean, even right now, I barely use my Disney Plus and there's not a lot of content I want to watch, but I'm probably not going to cancel it. When Mandalorian comes back, guess what? I'm going to have to keep it for several months while that show continues to air. Yeah, but I think you're assuming people are like actively paying attention to all these things they subscribe to. I think I think the binge model might work better at tricking people into forgetting they have a thing. Like if you let them binge all this stuff, maybe they binge more stuff and then they just leave your subscription active. It, like the best thing about subscriptions from a like a seller standpoint is that people forget about them. And then you just keep making money off of their subscription each month. I think like yeah. actively doing a thing where you're like, ah, oh, screw you. I'm going to make you have a subscription for three months to watch this show. Makes you go like, oh, well, screw you, Disney. I'm going to watch it for three months and I'm going to cancel. Uh, I don't know, but whatever. Anyway, Peacock is solid. They definitely need to fix their buffering issues. I should not be having buffering issues. I have very good internet. I've never had an issue on any other service, so. But yeah, it's a good service. Uh, you also get like a bunch of old stuff to watch, which is probably the one bit, the part of it I like the most. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to pull The Office back on there. So The Office yeah. is only going to exist on Peacock. And, you know, presumably they will keep all of their old content free, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy seeing ads and getting to watch old stuff. Yeah. And all of these episodes are roughly 43 minutes, although I think the eighth episode is like 50 and the ninth episode is 59. Like yeah. It's almost a full hour, I think. So they're kind of doing the traditional model. I mean, I think the show was originally intended to be on NBC. Um, so maybe they let them have a little more with episode eight and nine because they realized they were putting it on Peacock. Who knows? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the show was kind of in development hell for a while, right? 
Yeah, I'm not sure about the details of that. I just know that it was meant to go to NBC originally. But yeah, I'm glad it's on Peacock because it's a streaming original now. <laughs> yeah, that and I don't know if they could have shown all the crazy sex. Yeah, that, stuff. That, yeah, that's the other thing. Like this show is the themes of this are all about sex and, and drugs and stuff. And like, yeah, you can't do that on network TV. I don't know. Yeah, how It'd have to be on premium cable to. or streaming. That's the only two avenues you can get this thing out. Yeah. Well, anyways, yeah, you go watch it. Brett recommends it more than I do, but it's still okay enough for a watch. And yeah, check out Peacock. And next week we will probably do old guard on Netflix, which Ooh, yeah, I've been waiting popular, to watch that. And we've been wanting to watch that, but we've had too much shit to review. Which is a good problem to have instead of the when we started and there was nothing. Very true. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find us on all the popular social media sites at StreamablePod and listen to the podcast on your favorite platforms. Please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review.